You've already decided that you want to be a better communicator. How should you start doing it? What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and today I'm joined again by our operations lead at the flagship location for Active Life in Long Beach, New York. We are going to be talking today about how to start cleaning up your communication through language. Where are you going to go when you're thinking about making decisions about using different words to say things more specifically, more accurately, and more intentionally? Cody's going to break it down today. Before we get to that, remember, if you're finding value from this show, head to wherever you're listening to it, leave us a rating, leave us a review, share this show with your friends. That's the price of admission. Help us grow the show. If you're finding it valuable for yourself, don't you think your friends deserve that value too? Make sure they get it. Cody, welcome back. What's up, buddy? Yeah, you know. Just hanging. Yeah, having a Friday. <laughs> I'm more of a Monday guy myself, but I'll take a Friday from here now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've had three podcasts now where we talked about language. Mm. And they've gotten a lot of positive acclaim and review and people asking for more. So here we are continuing yep. to do them. How do people start making the changes to their language? Awareness. Awareness is step number one. It's always the key to anything that you want to change. And in my interpretation, you have to be aware that this could be better or I perceive this to be an opportunity or a problem. So they need to be able to see first and foremost, okay, my language could be more effective. That's step one you're saying. Yeah, or that their language creates something or is creating something in their life that they want to be different. Okay. So isn't that the first step to solving any problem? Just knowing you have one? Yeah. And if, I don't think there's, personally, I'll speak for myself, there isn't an end game to, to language and communication improvement. One of the things I'm learning as we work with uh, gym owners, coaches, and individual clients from around the world is those of them who are the best communicators get the results the fastest. And those of them who we communicate with the best, we have the easiest time supporting to get their results. And so there might not be a more valuable skill set to start to learn than communication and effectiveness. That seems fair. I would agree. I would pose that any endeavor right, is a never-ending pursuit. There's no end point for health, fitness, longevity, communication, all of these things. It's always an iterative process. Right. Well, so let's take, for example, if someone came to me and said, how do I, how do I start working in my nutrition? Mm -hmm. I'm not a dietitian, right? So, so this is not medical advice. Let's start there. The first thing I tell them to do is to take the foods that they want to eat that are obviously not helping what they're trying to achieve. Ice cream, cookies, cake, candy, that kind of crap and get it out of the house. That does not mean stop eating it. It means when you want it, you have to leave your house, go to the store, and buy it with a conscious decision, just enough for you to have that time, so that you have to really want to get out of your pajamas to go to the store to get that ice cream. Yep. Right? Or you're going to embarrass yourself and go in your pajamas, but you're not, if you're listening to the show and you're still wearing your pajamas to go to the store, we've taught you nothing. Okay? So <laughs> take your pajamas off when you go to the store. That's an easy thing for me to teach somebody. Mm. When it comes to language, I'm not sure how to take the items out of the house, if you will. Got it. That makes sense to me. So 
the first thing that we identify is the two patterns of language. There's, there's, there's two patterns of language that we notice either create the life that you want or move you further away from that, right? Conflict language or scarcity language and architect or abundance language. Okay. We've talked about some of these before. If we're talking about the first step being taking things out of the house, it is removing the conflict language, the soft talk, which we've covered. Okay. The Remind them. Soft talk is any softening word that provides or creates ambiguity or uncertainty. So maybe, kind of, sort of, possibly, one day would like to, perhaps, mm-hmm. all of that could, would. Should. Should, right? Well, should is an interesting one. It's soft talk and pressure language, which we can talk a little bit about. But um, it's all of the things that, again, distort focus. They create ambiguity, uncertainty. You know, we talked about this before with kids. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want your kid to do something, you tell them what you want them to do Mm -hmm. rather than, hey, I would like you to maybe sort of, if you want to, possibly go clean your room. Right. Right. Well, you said you want me to maybe possibly sort of. You didn't tell me to do it. Right. Or even with, with young kids, instead of, hey, make your room more presentable. Mm. or even go clean your room. It could be go to your room and put the books on the shelf. Yes. Specificity, accuracy. Yes. Right. So that's soft talk. Negations uh, create the focus on the outcomes or the situation that you do not want. Right. Mm -hmm. Can't, isn't, wouldn't, shouldn't, are not, am not. If we're talking again about the reticular activating system, the brain's filter, the language that we use trains that. It focuses on that. So if we say, I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be unhealthy. What do we start to think about? Being fat and being unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the language that we're using. So what you're saying is the first two things to take out would be soft talk and conflict language, which right now you're describing as negations. So oh. conflict language is soft talk and negations. I see. And projections. So each of these architect language, conflict language has three pillars. Pillar number one of conflict is soft talk. The reason that that comes first is that's usually the easiest for people to approach. Mm-hmm. They'll notice, oh, yeah, I did use I guess, I think, maybe, like, sort of, and we can just remove it, as in remove it from the sentence, remove it from the lexicon. Negations require a translation, right? We take the isn't, can't, wouldn't, shouldn't, and we translate them into the affirmative version of that, right? Can, am, are, will. Mm-hmm. You get the idea. Those are two of pillars of conflict language. The final is what's called a projection. These are, in my interpretation and the things that I've learned about this, these are the most venomous of all of the patterns of language. And what they really do is they entrench people in a victim mentality. So the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which a person regards himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. Okay. So if I'm using conflict language, if I'm using projections specifically, I create a victim villain language because projections assign exclusive responsibility to someone or something outside of myself for who I am, what I have to believe, what I have to think, what I have to do. I see. So that's the person who renders themselves powerless. They're a victim. Okay. So... How do we take these Oreos out of the house? The projections are projections are sometimes called blame throwers, right? Mm-hmm. Because what they do is, again, they assign, assign responsibility to someone or something outside of yourself. He, she, it, they, them, someone's name, right? The way to take those out is to take back that power. 
is to replace them with I, me, my. Right? So he makes me angry. I see. I make me angry. Mm-hmm. More or less accurate? More. More accurate, right? How about he did that to me? I did that to me. Well, if he punched me in the face, he did that to me, no? Sure. And he also did that to himself. Right, but I got punched in the face. Sure, but what did you do to get yourself punched in the face? That's a good question. Depends, it, on, depends on the time. Sure. <laughs> Most like in any time I've been punched in the face, which is more times than I like to recall or remember, because one of my least favorite things in the entire world is getting punched in the face. Yeah, it's, it's the bottom of my list of things I want to do today. <laughs> what I notice is that if I go back and I actually look at that almost every take out almost every single time I've been punched in the face, I had a hand to the things that led up to me getting punched in the face. Yeah. Right. That's what we're talking about. So he did that to me. I did that to me. I follow. It's it's you had no control over the action he was going to to bring, but you had control over the actions that you did prior, the words you used prior, which you may not have seen the signs that I'm about to get four knuckles across my face, but they were there. And so now next time you see something like that, maybe you speak differently or maybe you're ready in a different way. Yeah. I follow you. So it's, it's finding the, finding the, the responsibility you play in any experience and, and, and making that the thing that you focus on rather than what happens to you. Yes. I mean, if we're thinking about more emotional experiences, right? Like a breakup, um, you know, a partnership dissolves in, in a, in a, in a poor way, right? Rather than, he did that to me rather than I did that to me. We're acknowledging the hand I had in that. It could also be, he did that to himself. So it's funny. That's, that's the first place my mind went, right? Was cause when I split with my business partner in the first gym that we owned together, uh, there were some things that happened afterwards that I was not happy with. Hmm. And, and I was like, why would he do this stuff? Like, why, why would you, why would you do this? And when I hired a mentor, one of the things that, the mentor told me was uh, everything that's ever gone well for you and everything that's ever gone poorly for you, you had a role in. You weren't in the driver's seat for any of it, but you had a role in all of it. And it's easy for us to see the reason why the things that went well were a result of the things that we did because we want to hold ourselves in that kind of regard. It's difficult to figure out why the things that went poorly um, were of our own making. And he's like, so my challenge to you is to figure out why some of the worst things that have happened to you were actually things that you did to yourself. And when I say you did them to yourself, I don't mean that you had full responsibility. I mean, you had a role. Hmm. And that role might have been lighting the match. And now a forest burns down and takes out an entire city and cataclysmic damage is done. Did you burn down that whole city? Did you intend to hurt all those people? No, of course not. You just dropped the match that you thought was out. And so did you do the most damage or did you do the least damage? You just dropped the match. It was a little thing. You didn't burn down the whole city, but would the city have burned down if the match never got dropped? And he's like, I want you to find all of the matches in your life. Mm. And so I ended up going on a two year apology tour to people who were important to me about things that I realized I had done in our relationships that starting with my wife told her I apologized for not wearing a wedding ring 
because I knew it was important to her and that I had just recently purchased one that I was wearing when I told her. Uh, and I ended two years later with calling my ex-business partner and good friend and telling him like, hey man, I'm honestly not really sure what happened. I'm not really sure what my role was. But I'm certain that there's no way that this goes the way that it did if I had no role. And so uh, whether you have clarity about what I did or not, I apologize for it. Whatever it was. I'm sure I had a part. Well, I'm sure you could look back and, you know, if you really wanted to, you could trace back and pull apart the threads of that story in those instances and be like, oh, I didn't communicate as well as I could have here. Yeah. And then I did this and then I, I, oh, I forgot that I inadvertently made this decision and I didn't include him in the way that he wanted to be included. And I forgot that he likes to be communicated with this way. And I communicated the way that I like to it be communicated with. It was all those little things. And, and, and frankly, there's, you know, the first mistake was probably getting into that business together. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Right. Like, but, but that's, that's the first mistake that I made was making the assumption that we should be business partners and recruiting him to do it. That's the hand that you had in it. And the, the thing about identifying this, right, as in I did this to me, is now there's something you can do about it. Yeah. Where if I'm a victim of the world, right, he did this to me, they did this, he hurt me, he makes me mad, she, she hurt my feelings. If I'm a victim to all of those things, I give away all of my personal power, my authority to do anything about it. So then what we're saying here really is the language that you're changing is a a reflection of an acknowledgement that you're making that you're responsible here. So you disallow yourself or you correct yourself in the moment from saying something like, oh yeah, like Hurricane Sandy put me out of business mm. to I didn't have the proper flood insurance and wasn't resilient to if something were to happen to my, to my, biz to my building. And so when Hurricane Sandy came, we were totally unprepared and it wiped us off the map. There you go. Yeah. It's if you have authority, if you have um, ownership, you have, you have choice. Right? Without it, what can you do? What can you do to improve it, improve the outcome, make things better, do anything? Mm -hmm. And I to be fair, this is extremely hard. Right. So that's well, what I was going to ask is when it comes to language, how do they catch themselves in it? Going back to the basic principles, right? Especially if you're telling a story to yourself that he did this to me. Tell that whole story. Like, okay, he did this to me. Okay. What was the story about? What happened? Got it. Is there the opportunity to change the words that you're using? I did this to me or he did this to himself. How does that change the way that you feel about that interaction? What what opportunity, what possibility is now available to you that wasn't before? I believe the hardest part of this is not the words. I believe the hardest part of this is the acknowledgement. I agree with that. I think once the acknowledgement comes, the words will follow. And this, this conversation today kind of reminds me of conversations I've had with Larry about tonality in sales. And the idea that the reason why people practice tonality is because they don't believe in what they're selling. And they have to sound like they do. So they practice, how do I make it sound like I'm interested? How do I sound like I'm paying attention? How do I make it sound like they've piqued my interest? Um, and when you're really genuinely interested, you don't have to do any of those things. Right. So if you genuinely acknowledge that I am responsible, then you don't have to think about 
let me let me let me say this in the affirmative. If you acknowledge that you are responsible, then you are going to speak in a way that holds the space of responsibility instead of speaking in a way that holds the space of victimhood. Mm. And the first step is acknowledging the responsibility and being able to hear those kinds of words coming out of your own mouth. Because mm. it says, I had a role. Oh, what does that mean about me? Well, just think about the friend that you have who's a victim to every situation, circumstance, person in their life. Mm-hmm. How much time, how much, how draining is that person to be around? And to themselves. And to themselves, more importantly, right? You can interpret the energy, the way that they approach all situations in their lives by the way that they talk about some of the most difficult things that have ever happened to them. Yeah. Oh, I got it. So you're a victim. Mm-hmm. What else are you a victim in? What other areas of your life are you claiming victimhood? Is that the, 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 the deep question here, is that the story that you want to write? Well, I think the key here is so that people avoid getting confused. You may not be to the degree that the people who we're discussing right now who feel like a drain to themselves and to you are at in regards to their victimhood. What would be valuable for you is to find the areas of your communication that resemble theirs and eliminate those. And the way I would recommend doing it, the way I would get those Oreos out of the house to bring it back home is make a hard stop when you do it. Apologize to whoever you're talking about for making it about something that was outside of your control Hmm. and then acknowledge your responsibility in it because that does several things. Number one, it forces you to be conscious instead of just moving through something that you're like, ah, I did it again. Number two, it obviates to somebody else that you're being conscious. And number three, it sets an example to other people that you're looking for people who are taking responsibility for their lives and not people who are going to uh, deflect that responsibility and play the victim. And it's going to raise them up. Hmm. So that's, that would be my recommendation. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, what you're talking about there is is high-level pattern interruption, mm-hmm. right? So you see this with people who are trying to maybe stop swearing. That's a thing that's going around right now. They'll have a rubber band around their wrist, and they'll snap it every time that they swear. Mm-hmm. You're trying to interrupt that pattern. Right. When you're speaking in a way and you make that acknowledgement like, um, you're making me mad right now. Oh, that's a pattern interruption right there. You're interrupting that normal pattern, that language pattern that you used to hold. And, and I want to speak to that one really quickly because this is an easy area for you to be like, what am I supposed to do? My wife, like, she yells at me. What am I supposed to do? Why is she yelling at you? That's, that's what you asked them to do earlier, mm. right? Why, why did it get to the point that she's yelling at you? What did you forget to communicate? What does she not know about the way that you like to be communicated with? What does she not know about the way that you handle being yelled at? What does she not know about what you did and that you know that you did or that you didn't do that you know that you didn't do? Where can you own up where it makes it unreasonable for somebody to yell at you? Even from an emotional resilience standpoint, why is your only option to be mad? Yours or theirs? yours right all right when you get yelled at yeah yeah she's yelling at me and that makes me mad yes why is that your only emotional avenue right now are you so 
you know, are we so fragile as as a person, as an identity that I have to now be mad at well, something somebody said? And that's what I'm talking about when it comes to and that like I think that's a high order of mm. a moment for that to happen. Um because in that moment, you need to be able to dissociate I'm not angry or sad or feeling any way about this person yelling at me except empathy for them that I haven't created another path for them to communicate with me other than yelling. Mm. And in that moment, you might be pissed. Like, hey, how about you stop fucking yelling at me and talk to me like a grown-up? That might be what you want to say. The more valuable thing to say would be Let's take it down a notch for a second. I apologize for whatever I was doing that made you want to yell at me. Please tell me what it is that you would like me to do. Mm. Like, it, that's a random example. That's interesting. Right? I, this, this recently happened with my wife and I. Um, we have great communication. We've hired coaches to communicate with each other, and I love her to death. So when I say this, I want people to know that this is a learning experience. We had it together and now I'm sharing it with you. Uh, I was just, I was feeling away in a certain day and I was a little bit more stressed than I normally am. And she was asking me to do a bunch of different things and I didn't want to do them. And I, I, instead of communicating effectively, I communicated ineffectively and I gave her short answers and told her like, Hey, like I, I was soft with my answers mm. because being uh, clear takes energy that I didn't want to spend at the moment. And so she got frustrated and raised her voice. And I stopped her and I said, babe, please stop yelling at me. I understand that I, I, I did not give you the answer that you're looking for. Help me better communicate to you right now because I, right now I am feeling stressed. Mm. I'm feeling tired. I'm not feeling my best self. And you're asking me to do things that require me to think a lot and that require me to take a lot of action that right now I would rather not spend the energy on. And so it's frustrating me to not be able to give you what you want. And when you yell at me, it does not make me want to give it to you anymore. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't realize I was yelling at you. Can you help me? And I'm like, Oh God. Yes. That's, that's it right there. That's what we were trying to get to the whole time. Yes. And, and you know, if I had answered differently in the very beginning, if I'd said that from the very beginning, Hey, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. Uh, I need a minute. Can we chat about this? Uh, she would have. Hmm. So I think that's ideally where we're trying to help people get to in this conversation. Yeah. It's, it's ownership. It's, it's harmony. It's empowerment, whatever, mm -hmm phrase version of that you want to use yeah all right until next time see ya turn pro